0: Wide-eyed, thrilled, bemused. How on earth did that happen?
1: Hello, everybody. Welcome back to Gold, the soccer betting podcast from the Action Network, presented to you by Bet365. My name is Michael Lebuff. Joining me, as always, are my friends, colleagues, and co-hosts, Anthony DeBundo out of Philadelphia, and BJ Cunningham. Coming to you from Iowa, and gentlemen, we have 10 Premier League matches to look forward to. Plus, we'll take a scamper around Europe, pick out some best bets in the Bundesliga, La Liga, Serie A, Ligue 1, give out our three-leg money line underdog parlay, and then wrap up with our best bets in the Premier League for this weekend. But before we dig into the slate, I'm here to remind you that Wonder Goal is presented by Bet365, the world's favorite sports book brand. Sign up with promo code ACTION to get Bet365's exclusive sign-up offer in New Jersey and Colorado. Bet $1 on any game and get $200. Free. Perhaps you want to use that on Manchester City and Tottenham. That's where we'll start this episode, 12.30 p.m. on Saturday at the Etihad. City, minus 275 odds on. Big favorites over Spurs, plus 650. Draws plus 450. Tottenham did the double over uh, City last season. Once with Nuno, uh, and then once with Conte. Uh, just a quick look at the form. And this is all competitions. City, win, win, draw, win, win, draw, win. Spurs, win, draw, win, win, draw, win, win. Draw, win, win both teams off and running for the season city's offense creating 2.4 expected goals for per match in the premier league, but Spurs uh, in terms of overall play, not terribly far behind plus 0.75 expected goals, uh, differential per 90. I think it comes down. I say this a lot when, when two teams like this meet, like you can just boil it down to this simple equation is Spurs a good enough team that getting six and a half to one, on the money line, is worth a sprinkle? And I think the answer is that is yes. Anthony, uh, your Spurs tragic. You're wearing a Spurs kit, even though you are a Liverpool fan. Spurs tragic, Liverpool fan. Break this one down.
2: Yeah, you know, I think this is, you know, what Spurs are built for. In a lot of ways, under Conte, it's how they've played. And it's how they've played, you know, maybe as a fan, I'm not too happy when they play this way against mid-table teams. But when you're going up against Manchester City, they've kind of built themselves as a team who defends their penalty area really well, who will cede possession in non-dangerous areas, who will let the opponent tilt the field on them, which is exactly what City wants to do. And they will then, with their direct counterattacking ways and their passing patterns, they will play through and, and, and take advantage of City's high press, get in behind, create chances. And look, it's not a coincidence that Spurs effectively did this to City in both meetings last season. They effectively have done it for years to City, even going back to the Mourinho era, uh, you remember back when they played, uh, you know, prior to the pandemic in 2020, City beat or Spurs beat City two one back in the 2021 season in November, Spurs beating City two nil. So they, this has been a bit of a bogey team for City. Ask any City fan, they'll tell you. And the, the thing that was most encouraging was that the last meeting, it wasn't that City, you know, got, you know, sockered and created a crazy amount of chances and Spurs scored their only two shots as a tradition of their prior matchups spurs created 3 4 5 big scoring chances and yes they won it late but city really struggled to get high profile looks now i don't think that'll necessarily be the case in this game because city now have erling holland but we're looking at the two best strikers in the prem right now based on xg per 90 erling holland over 1 just insane harry kane at 0.59 thus far this season very impressive start for kane uh and and son has accumulated the most expected goals in the prem without scoring Someone does have an occasional finishing slump in, in, in him and he's in one right now, but I'm not too worried about that. We're Charleston's back in the goals, playing great two goals today against uh, Marseille and the victory. So I think this is a very favorable matchup for Spurs to be competitive. I love the plus one and a half at minus minus one twenty, uh, and I will be sprinkling the money line as well. I don't think they'll win this, but uh, city's defense Still showing some flaws to me, uh, you know, maybe not against Sevilla who, who's old and, and washed in the midfield and, and doesn't have any good players anymore, but you look back, I mean, there are teams have troubled this city defense in certain areas. And those are the exact areas that Spurs can take advantage of with Perisic, Richarlison, Son. So I, I like it. I think it's a great matchup for Spurs to keep it competitive.
1: Yeah. As city were behind in four of their previous six matches going into that Aston Villa game. And then they, lo- uh, they lost two points from a winning position. So it's it's not just that they're, look, the city defense is going to be the best in the world. When we start in April, we're going to be talking about their expected goals against numbers being absurd. And this is the, the best team in terms of XG and big chances against or whatever, uh, but they're not there yet. And when they're, before they get there is when you want to try to you know pick your spots. And I'll say it again, because I think it bears repeating Tottenham right now third best team in the maybe the second best team in the premier league because your other team liverpool they're terrible six and a half to one on a money line uh bj is it that simple or am i overlooking something here
3: uh yeah i mean the the thing about city is it's funny i think defensively it's you know if you if you watch them you see some of the flaws right like you see you watch the newcastle match you watch how many times they're able to get in behind the high line and create chances But, I mean, overall, on XG, they're allowing, you know, half an an expected goal per match. So there's still, like, numbers-wise, there's still a good defense. But like Anthony said, like, you watch them, you're like, there's just still something weird, something kind of wrong with their defense. I agree with everything Anthony said. Uh, I am actually going to instead take the under three goals at plus 105. Um, I agree with Anthony that Conte is probably going to sit deep and just look to counterattack City. It's worked in the past. Why not do it again? You look back to the last, you know, the closest time to where Tottenham actually played a team that was going to dominate possession the way that City did. It was against Liverpool towards the end of last season. A lot of, you know, I know Klopp complained a bunch about how Tottenham played in that match, uh, but it worked. So it doesn't really matter how you play as long as it works. So um, I look for Tottenham to sit deep here. I look for them to prevent City from all of these big, big scoring chances. I mean, Holland's been on fire, um, so I would expect Tottenham to play uh, pretty conservative you know for the first at least 45 minutes of this match but uh, I mean from a projection standpoint I only have 2.66 goals projected I mean Tottenham's long under one expected goal per match through the first six only three big scoring chances allowed so this the defense is playing really well and they've already played a match against Chelsea so for me I'm going under three goals at, uh, at plus 105 and it's a decent
2: price I mean let's look at the attacks that City have played too uh, you know West Ham, Bournemouth, Palace, Forest, Villa, Sevilla That's all but one match, and I don't think any of them would be considered above-average Premier League attacks. You could maybe make the case that Crystal Palace (laughs) is up there, Uh, and Palace scored two early goals, so the whole game state was thrown off. They were just defending for their lives. Uh, The only team who I think you could argue and should at this point argue is an above-average attacking team is Newcastle, who created 1.8 expected goals and tore them apart. So I think they're, like you mentioned, there are little flaws that a team of Tottenham's quality should be able to pick apart, and I think they're going to in this matchup. Uh, and I don't think it will be the first time I'm fading City in the next two weeks. So this is unfortunate. We're gonna step on the pain train here. Holland's just gonna
1: score right in our face. Oh yeah, it's gonna, it's probably two
2: one uh, uh, City is is fine with me. Like I'm I'm okay with that. Just not a, not a team player at all. Uh, but, but but I mean, when Son scores his first goal, I mean, one of my friends uh, is a big City fan. And he he saw the the tweet that was like. Son has accumulated the most XG without scoring in the prem. Yeah, but okay. You can pencil in Sonny for two goals on on Sunday.
3: Hang on. He overperformed by like six goals last year. Right, but he does it every single year.
2: He does it every year. Son has overperformed every year he's a pro. And the thing about it is he always scores and seems to score bangers against City. So that's why, you know, uh, is that predictive? No, but like it is interesting and probably going to happen that someone will score on Sunday or Saturday rather. And uh Spurs will, will luck box a result here.
1: Yeah. It could be a Spurs uh, Sun same game parlay uh, with Sonny to score. Uh, one last thing before we move on to Fulham and Chelsea's both teams have played pretty easy schedules. I would say Chelsea is the only kind of tough one that Spurs played, but they also have the spine that can cope with Holland. Like, like Eric Dyer is a physical physical center back. Romero
2: and too.
1: Romero and then Hoyberg in the middle. Like it, th- th- this is a team that kind of relishes those kind of guys. It. So, so I wonder if Holland is kind of just has a quiet game here and that turns city back after. into what they were last season. And that's when Tottenham really thrived. So just a weird matchup thing there. All right. This is uh, going to be a lot to unpack here. Fallen plus three 30 on Saturday morning, 7 30 AM. Chelsea odds on minus one twenty five at Bet three six five. The draw here is five to one. Uh, Thomas Tuchel, Bj, you called it. You said on our Champions League pre. This is on. the worst thing that's ever happened. <laughs> <laughs> you said it. You said he's going to get
2: fired. Yeah, I was enjoying um, fading Chelsea earlier in the season. I was. I we
1: had we we share a, a sheet that we kind of go down the list of every game and and we all write in the the games that we want to talk about the bets we're going to make and right when Anthony uh, refreshed the sheet, I went to this game. Jod down Fulham, saw the news, erased Fulham. I'm going to be staying away from this one now. Uh, but real quick, looking at the stats before I hand it over to one of you guys. Fulham 2-2-2, two, two two. nine goals for, nine goals against. Bang average, really fun. But their last three matches, this is what we were concerned about with this team coming into the season, was will their defense be able to handle the Premier League marathon? 7.6 expected goals against a uh, tough schedule, Arsenal, Brighton, and Spurs, but kind of... Uh, a little little worrying. So the, the price just is not high enough on Fulham. Even at home, even with Chelsea in bits and pieces, it's just not, it's not high enough to do it. Uh, this is still a newly promoted side going up against one of the best teams in Europe at plus 330. is not, not enough for me. Uh, BJ, Penny, for your thoughts here.
3: This is sad. I mean, I, we've loved Brighton so many times. The market undervalued them so many times under Graham Potter because of how great he set his teams up. And now all that's gone, like it's just over. Not gone yet. They
2: have not hired Grand Potter. We we gotta.
3: It's gonna be announced. Grand Potter is still managed by the time
1: time Uh people listen. Who knows?
3: Yeah, by the time people listen, it'll be announced. But I mean, let's talk about Chelsea for a second. How weird this—the timing of the sacking was. They spent the most money in the Premier League during the transfer window, and then six days after it shuts, they fire Tuchel. Just strange. It makes me think that Bully doesn't really have a plan right now.
1: I mean, what and soccer owner just, does? There's like four yeah.
3: of them that did. And then he just—he ever did have a plan. And it's just funny because you know how out of touch billionaires are. He just lied to everybody's face and said, "Oh no, the uh, Dinamo Zagreb match had absolutely nothing to do with it." So they just yeah, beat yeah, West that, Ham, and now you're just going to sack him. That right. might what be if, true. What if, what if? What if they beat him five nothing? Would he have been sacked? No, that would have been—he would not have. As far as this match is concerned. I have no interest in playing this. I mean, I had Chelsea at minus 116. So, you know, minus 125, I'm not really going to play that either. We can talk more about when Potter takes over Chelsea, because I think he actually does have a lot of pieces to make his system work really well. But I mean, it's an end of an era, you know, the, the Brighton era is, is probably going to come to an end unless they, I don't know if they're going to find another manager like him. So yeah, it's just sad because nobody got more out of less than Graham Potter in the Premier League. So he'll he'll probably be amazing at Chelsea you know as an Arsenal fan that sucks because now they're probably going to be awesome it's it's just sad I was hoping that this would go on forever but you know all good things all good things must come to an end I guess but it'll take it'll take some time for him to set up Chelsea but yeah as far as this match is concerned no way I mean Fulham defensively they've played three big big six sides they've allowed eight big scoring chances in those matches you know they've they've created under one expected goal in all three, under uh, one non-penalty expected goal in those three matches against Liverpool, Arsenal, and Tottenham. So, yeah, I, I am one thousand percent passing
1: on this, and I am just really, really sad
3: that that Graham Potter is is gone from Brighton.
1: Anthony, anything for you here, Fulham, Chelsea? Uh,
2: well, you know, I said last pod we could talk more about Chelsea uh, on the weekend pod, and here we are, and uh, I'm not sure about Potter at Chelsea. Like, I think he'll be good, but I don't know that the system is in place. There's nobody running the the, the, there's no director of football. There's nobody in charge of recruitment. There's nobody he's bringing, he's
3: bringing that guy with him. Is he? From Brighton. So, yeah. so yeah, that would be getting,
2: an encouraging thing, but yeah. didn't they also just lose their other guy, Brighton to Newcastle? Yep. So, yeah. so there's did a lot of, it, did it matter? They, I
1: mean, look at the way they started the oh, season and, it, Well, and what from they did over the summer. Point of view,
2: yeah. Dude, yeah. They, they didn't really add anybody though. Pur, like, they they got
1: Purvis Estupignon.
2: yeah yep. okay Copy of Okay. Right. Kind of my point though. With regards to this Chelsea-Fulham match, uh, you mentioned it with Fulham. I think this is a a good spot to where the market has caught up. Uh, Fulham got a lot of steam against Arsenal. They got a lot of steam against Spurs, covered the spread in both matches, probably didn't deserve the Spurs one, but you are seeing some of the cracks. And like nobody expected them to be a top-half team. They are going to regress a little bit here now, uh, and I don't think you're getting the best of the market number on chelsea to fade them with that being said who's managing chelsea on saturday i think it's anthony barry who's been there for a while right but tuchel also is like multiple of the assistants were gone yeah yeah it's just going to be a
1: straight care it's not going to be frank lampard as as badly as they want him he's our
2: guy so (laughs) there, there are some question marks about like how do the players respond what were the players how do they feel about tuchel versus uh, this this outsider who just came in and, and kind of shook things up and fired him. Right. So there's a lot of uncertainty at Chelsea. I don't think you can just bank on a new manager bounce for this team. With that being said, I also think they're much better than a negative expected goal difference team. So uh, they're probably going to regress positively anyway. So when it does happen, we can't just say, ah, it was all Tuchel's fault. When in reality, the, the, the truth is probably in the middle somewhere.
1: Speaking of Graham Potter's old team, Brighton, their odds on on the road. Minus 125 in a South post derby they're taking on bournemouth plus 380 uh the draw here is plus 260 uh cherry for as much as flack, as much flack as bournemouth has got this year they have seven points right they got two wins that's two more than everton and a draw again uh the two wins obviously one forest one against non big six matches yeah and that's what... so first city first versus city arsenal liverpool zero goals for 16 goals against on um, 6.8 expected goals uh, allowed uh, they created under one expectable in those three matches. Uh, and then against Wolves, Villa, and Forest, five goals, for, two goals against, 3.4 expectables uh, against, and 1.94. Uh, so still a minus one and a half expectable difference across those three matches. And then you factor in the, the Potter stuff with with Brighton. And one thing I do think people like BJ can have some faith in is this is a, such a well-run club that they they know this is – been coming they've they've known this has been coming they everyone was assuming that potter was going to take the england job right after the world cup when southgate's contract retired so
3: they thought he was going to take the spurs job they
1: had a plan for kukareya they had they've had a plan for basuma when he left like this is not a club that kind of reacts they are very proactive about things so i wouldn't be too worried about that uh that said like if this isn't a terrible spot for bournemouth i don't i don't once again i don't think that the number is high enough we're looking at a very similar line to the one we just talked about with chelsea and fulham with uh, the Bournemouth money line a little higher because the draw is is uh, much lower in this one, but I I wouldn't call anybody crazy, and and I, I bet on Bournemouth against Forest and, and and Wolves one one, and and the other one was a draw. Uh, I wouldn't call anyone crazy for for taking a shot on Bournemouth here at home against a team that just had the because this is a team that's all about continuity and everyone being on the same page. They just had that all disrupted uh, for the first time since Potter really came in. So that's my, where my head is, Anthony. Bournemouth and Brighton. What about you?
2: From a number point of view, I actually have a little bit of value on Bournemouth, uh, which I did not expect going into this match. This is a classic Brighton against a bottom table, you know, team away from home. They have struggled in these fixtures. Bournemouth have shown decent resolve defending, They're, but like you mentioned, the underlying numbers are still extremely concerning. Yes, they've scored five goals in the three games against fellow average to below average teams, but they've only created 1.9 XG from those matches. There's not a good attack here. They failed to create a single more than one XG in a match this season based on FB refs numbers. One model had them at one last match. So that was against forest. So, you know, you're looking at it and you're like, all right, how does Bournemouth get on the board? I'm not really seeing much of that against this Brighton defense, which is still going to be excellent. I don't think they're just going to fall apart instantly because Potter's gone. I think you may see a gradual decline. Uh, and it also, I think from a Brighton point of view, the attack has run really hot. I mean, does anybody really expect Brighton to continue to produce over one and a half expected goals per match to uh, convert at, a, at the rate that they have thus far this season? Yes. Okay. They're due for probably a good, good run of finishing, but I don't necessarily expect that either. So I would immediately look toward the under in this game. Problem is I thought I'd get two and a half because Borman's defense has been so bad. But it's a 2.25, so it's just a lean to the under for me. But if it gets to you know, 2.5, 120, 125 even, uh, minus to the under, I, w- I, would, I would fire. Right now it's sitting around minus 140, 145. It's a little too steep for me, uh, but I would lean toward the under here. Otherwise, I'll be staying away. I don't like either side on the money line or spread.
3: Yeah, Bournemouth, the only team not to create a big scoring chance yet this season.
2: Patience. You can it'll almost come. luck into it'll, one of those. It, it'll come. It'll you come. Should be able to luck into one or two a, of those. But they—they've
3: prevented, you know, in three of their, in those two, in the matches where they haven't played a big six side, they haven't allowed a big scoring chance either. So,
1: yeah, they, they, they're very much like a a poor man's Burnley from two two or three seasons ago. Chelsea <laughs> should have hired Sean Dyche. <laughs> I'll say it.
2: Hey, maybe Brighton will hire. Imagine if Brighton hired. <laughs> yeah, bright, bright, yeah. Brighton,
1: Brighton is. Uh, that'd be 40, amazing. 40, you know, that'd be be amazing.
2: I would never bet on them again. <laughs> uh. That's your that's that's
1: your own problem there. I would. Uh, Brighton are, are forty to one to be relegated. So if you truly think that the Grand Potter situation is a disaster, that's that's yeah. what you're looking at. I'm not, not endorsing it. I am I am just letting the people know what their odds are. Speaking of relegation, Leicester Villa, Leicester plus one forty at home, Villa plus one eighty seven on the road at Bet three six five. The draw here is plus two fifty. Uh, Bournemouth are still the massive favorites. Uh, to be relegated. If, then it's Nottingham Forest we're minus one fifty. Leicester plus one seventy five now, so they are the third favorite, just ahead of Frank Lampard's Everton, who are at two to one. Uh, Fulham plus two twenty five, Southampton three to one, Leeds plus three fifty, and then there's Villa four to one. So you could call this a relegation six pointer. Villa's season has not gone well, and I think that we might have saw a little smoke and mirrors from coming off of the City situation when they would they draw one one by just parking the bus effectively. You have to say they were effective. They took their chance. And, But that was a third straight match for Villa, uh, granted against a tough schedule, West Ham, Arsenal, and City, where they created under uh, one expected goal. They've created 0.2 expected goals in their last two matches, Arsenal and City. So for all of Leicester's problems preventing scoring chances over the past couple seasons, this isn't a, the offense that's going to threaten them. So I do think that there's maybe a smidge of value here on the Foxes. I'm just not going to get involved. BJ, what about you?
3: I think it's time to play a Leicester under here. I think this is a good spot for it. I mean, they've been been very unfortunate defensively. 16 goals allowed off around a little over nine expected. A lot of that has to do with just terrible goalkeeping. I mean, Danny Ward has been a minus 4.4 post shot XG plus minus this season. Like through six matches, that's really, really, really bad. So either he's the worst goalkeeper we've ever seen in the Premier League or he's going to regress to somewhere around average. My bet would be on he's going to regress somewhere to around average. Now the last match, Lester decided to play Ianacho and Pat and up top. And they actually looked a lot better rather than just throwing Vardy up top and not get, have him, not getting any shots. But with that being said, Lester is still only averaging 0.93 non-penalty expected goals per match. They're taking under 10 shots per match. And they've only created two big scoring chances in total on the season. So the offense has been horrible. Now, Aston Villa, to your point, Michael, they've been playing very defensive. I mean, last season under Gerrard, they were not a good offense. They were 1.15 XG per 90. Um, They've created 4.5 expected goals in six, in their first six matches. And outside of the match against Everton, they haven't created a big scoring chance. So, I mean, defensively, like, they're solid in the midfield and they're solid at the back. Like, they're not... A horrible <laughs> Premier League defensive team. Like they are top eight so far this season in box entries allowed, progressive passes and dribbles allowed and crosses allowed in the penalty areas. It's slightly above average defense in the Premier League. But with with how bad both these offenses have been so far this season, I think this is a good time to play an under. I, I only have 2.33 goals projected. So at bet 365, you can get under two and a half goals at, at even money. I think that's a good price to play the first Leicester under of the season.
1: Funny thing about, about Danny Ward is uh, oftentimes during like season previews, people just kind of mention the goalies and passing in soccer. Cause yes, they're part of the team and whatever, but there's, it's so unpredictable how they'll play. You see it in hockey as well. And every time you listen to, whether well, it was us other podcasts talk about Leicester city. They were Danny Ward's name got brought up and they're like, is, is he, he, he could be really bad. And then you're like, hey, people are probably just overreacting here. And, and he's, he's okay. cost them points, which is pretty funny. Cause it's not that it's hard to do for a goalkeeper to, to do that in the premier league, but. You're getting the twenty, you know, maybe twenty of the best thirty-five goalies in the world uh, in the league, and and he's definitely not one of them. Anthony, your thoughts here? You you bet Villa every week. You just keep doing it. I
2: have not. I have not bet Villa the last few weeks. But Top Midlands Club is still alive, by the way. Top Midlands Club is actually decent. I mean, (laughs) Wolves won last week, so that's not great. But (laughs) Forest lost. Um, Look, I think my Villa six to one to finish seventh is is dead. I don't know what to say anymore. What I will say is I wanted to bet the under here. I will probably bet the under if Vardy starts, but if it's Daka and Iannaccio again, that concerns me enough about Leicester's attack to stay away from the under. However, I am betting Aston Villa. I think they should be a favorite in this match. I Look, I understand that Villa have been horrible and their underlying numbers are not that encouraging. They've created one expected goal in their last three matches and they've conceded 4.5 in that same timeframe. But Leicester's midfield is completely broken. Whereas I think Villa's issues, I continue to believe that Villa's issues are more solvable. I think there's more buy in with the manager. The team is less stale. Uh, and I am a much firmer believer in both the defense and somewhat although less convincingly now with Martinez, a believer in the goalkeeper than I am compared to Leicester. Also, Villa have a good set piece, uh, you know, on paper would have a good set piece in, uh, type team. It hasn't quite come off, they've had a couple of chances. One got off. one was ruled out of play. So they've had a couple of close calls on set pieces. Ward, another big issue with Ward. This was a Schmeichel problem. It's now a Ward problem. He's really bad at coming off the line and claiming the ball. And if you're not confident in the air, that's a major issue defending set pieces. Villa do have some big bodies they can put in the middle, cause some problems for this Leicester defense. I have yet to see a solution for Leicester City's problems. I also don't think that Iannaccio, Vardy, Daka will have the kind of space in behind they did against Brighton, because Villa's not going to play that kind of same high line, especially on the road. So I like Villa here. Another shot with the Villa syndicate. I took the draw <laughs> no bet. I think they should be favored, and they're a dog. They uh, they have taken some money, though. This came down. They were plus 200. Now we're down to plus 180, 185. Uh, I, still, I still like Villa on the draw no bet line at, at plus money.
1: Uh, Liverpool just got pasted by Napoli. Just pasted by Napoli hmm. in the Champions League. Now they are minus 400 at home. Against Wolverhampton, 10 to 1 at bet 365. The draw here is five to one. This is another 10 a.m. kickoff. I think everything number wise, if you're looking at like XG, you're looking at big scoring chances, you're not gonna see any like glaring issues with the Liverpool statistical profile. Mm-hmm. You're not like nothing that's gonna say, like, oh, this this team is is bad, whatever. The one thing that is concerning is a lot of that is in and I'm talking like overall picture, a lot of that is inflated by a nine-nothing win against Bournemouth. And there is one thing that does stick out, which is how terrible they've been pressing and against pressure, which is their bread and butter. Uh, the midfield is still a mess. Joe Gomez uh, was taken for milkshakes by basically everybody on Napoli today. Jurgen Klopp looks like a, a cat on a hot tin roof. Uh, he he's he doesn't really know how to punch his way out of trouble. So <laughs> I don't think that. And Wolves have been all right. Like they've been Wolves. Um, I'm I'm gonna be on it. One point one
2: seven. I like, uh Wolves have been better than I thought.
1: Yeah, they've been. I think. I think we all were kind of saying yeah, tipping them for maybe the third or fourth worst team in the league. If the brutal Lodge revolution is one year too late, one point one seven goals total goals per match in Wolves matches.
2: Boy, by, what, by what the a way, what a team! Look, uh, what I, you I had under- my worst beat of the year last weekend until today, which was that that Che Adams miss, <sighs> where all he had to do was was headed into the empty net as the ball was falling onto his head. And he whiffed and then hit his arm and fell into the goal. And I was watching live, and I was like, that didn't just happen. They counted the goal. I was like, that's not going to count, is it? Like, that just happened. And then they ruled it out. Saints, both teams to score. Wolves overs. Died right there. Never to be seen again.
1: I'm going to be on Wolves. I think Uh, 10 to 1, I think, is good enough here. Just
0: Pro teams have millions to spend, and they don't always spend them wisely. But when it comes to a great shave, you don't have to shell out tons of cash. Get started with a $13 trial set for just $3 at harrys.com slash blue wire. That's harrys.com slash blue wire for a $3 trial set.
1: I'm just they to head on I'm, Liverpool. I'm just going to uh, keep probing this Liverpool team. Let's see where the bottom is. Like the market's what, not budging. I know. That's no, what I'm not. saying. Why Why aren't... The market why, has not budged. So then why aren't you guys I'll tell you why.
3: Me? I'll tell you why. It's because Thiago's back. I mean, I mentioned it early on one of the earlier podcasts. Like, he makes such a... Catastrophic difference for this Liverpool team. I mentioned the splits. Liverpool was 0. 0.66 xG per 90 allowed with him on the field last season. Without him, they're 1.4. Early returns this season. If you take out the 9-0 match against Bournemouth, Liverpool's allowed 6.5 expected goals to Fulham, Crystal Palace, United, Newcastle, and Everton. Not exactly a murderer's row of offenses there. So he came on in the second half against Napoli when the game was already completely out of hand. So you can't really put it factor in that oh Napoli created like four expected goals against Liverpool. If he plays, he makes Liverpool just so, so much better in the midfield because it just doesn't work with Jordan Henderson and James Milner. Um, But Klopp just continues to go with it. So I am going to play something uh, that I haven't really played for a while with Liverpool, especially without, you know, how shaky their defense has been. I'm gonna play both teams to score. No, uh at minus 115 because the all goes back. I mean Wolves is they're just they're just not a good offense. I don't know how else we can describe it. I mean they're uh, I mean we're at what, you know, only two matches over one expected goal. I mean they're one thing I will say though about Wolves is that this could end up being the type of match because if you remember this match last season uh when I think it's it was the final day molyneux. of the season. Final, yeah. No, the the one before that the molyneux Wolves just basically packed it in for like the entire match, and Liverpool created like four expected goals and scored in like the 95th minute to win Mm -hmm. one nothing. I think we could see something similar to that where Wolves just packs in. Now, they have been like they have been a top 10 pressing team this season, which is not something I expected because they basically just sat in. Uh, and didn't press at all last year. And so that could make them a little better defensively. I mean, they're only allowing little over one non penalty expected goal per match like it's been a good defense and Nathaniel Collins looks pretty like he's helped the defense quite a bit. So yeah, I mean, I have both teams to score no projected at minus 159. So I'm going to try and play both teams to score no. Um, because I don't really think I don't think Wolves is creating over one expected goal if Thiago is playing. Now, if Thiago's out, I'll probably just I'm probably going to wait until match time to see if he's actually playing because you know he did come on for a few minutes, but Klopp could hold him out a little longer. So both teams score. No, minus one fifteen for me is where I'm going
1: in this one. Well, uh, one thing about this team is like if you remember two seasons ago. When Liverpool was dealing with a bunch of injuries, uh, which you know every soccer team deals with injuries over season, it's not like last year where you can go mm. a whole season and none of your guys can get hurt with them. That's rare.
2: That wasn't really true though.
1: They struggled though. They str- like like they didn't they they were good still, but like it's it's they're just not a team that I feel like they're such a well oiled machine when everybody's in the right spot. They lost Sadio Mane. They've lost their midfield to injury. They've lost one of their center backs to injury. Like there's just enough issues here where if you're going to be dealing these numbers on them even though you're going to lose more often than you're going to win, like it's just worth, let's see what, let's see where it goes. So that's, that's uh, my handicapping strategy with this team right now. I worked with Napoli today. And,
3: and they better hope that Thiago plays because Henderson is out. I mean, uh, you know, Oxley chamberlains out. Kate is out. Like they don't yeah. really have much in the midfield if Thiago's not there.
2: Like, I think this is really interesting because as much as this is about the midfield and I, I really do think it starts there, like, most solid took two shots today, and they were down the whole match. Virgil van Dyke did not look like – has not looked like normal Virgil van Dyke. Well, and yeah, they're both refs
1: are, refs are calling him. Refs are calling him for, for
2: penalties <laughs> for the first time. This I, year. Yeah, it is crazy. They've conceded, what, four penalties this year now after zero last year in the Prem? The, the most interesting thing is, is that – and I said this on last year's preview pod, one of the first shows we ever did, which was, hey, like, Liverpool's core is kind of old. What if they got old? And then they had, like, an incredible season – dominated everybody and like, we're the best team in the world at a point second best team in the world for sure. But now it looks like they kind of got old and that's, that's a major concern. Henderson Milner are sure old. They, and right. And that's the biggest thing with Tiago. It's not as much as Tiago is amazing. He is, but like the drop-off between him and everybody else got a lot bigger. Now they're starting Harvey Elliott, who doesn't do a lot of defensive work. They, I think they they started Firmino today because Klopp's worried that Nunez doesn't do a lot of defensive work. So if if Firmino's in there, maybe you get hmm. some of that. Eighty five million for, for no
3: defensive work and not really much production.
2: Uh, uh, Nunez has fifteen shots and two matches in the prep, <laughs> but but uh, like like if they start Nunez, I, th- I think this is an interesting over game, uh, and I will probably be betting the over. Otherwise, probably not that interested in this. I do think Wolves can create some problems. Wolves losing Sasikaslicic to an ACL tear. Yeah, that's devastating.
3: But they, Diego got Colos Colos. Diego they signed Diego
2: the Costa, which is incredible. He's going to uh, solve all
3: the problems. Fun
2: fact, Diego Costa has never gotten a red card in the Premier League. Seems hard to Neither believe. Scott it's McTominay. Man. Yes.
1: And you but, know who uh, should have got a red card who shouldn't be playing this game is Virgil van Dijk uh, for, <laughs> for the tackle on Onana last game. Uh, let's, let's move on. Uh, it
2: was an orange card. Uh, yeah, I'll be looking to play the over here, if anything, but uh, we'll be waiting for lineups. I thought it was very interesting that Klopp decided not to play Nunez or Jota today and uh, instead yeah. opted for up in. he was injured
1: yeah but i know he but then he was he, he's been on the bench for three games now and, and and just i guess they're easing him back in um golden boot take a look at not looking great yeah that was a good bet uh southampton plus 125 uh brentford plus 210 on the road the draw here is plus 250 another 10 and kickoff uh, on the season right now brentford two three and one 15 goals for that number surprised me by the way if you ask me how many goals has Brentford scored this season, I probably would have said six games, nine, um, If and thought that, oh, that's pretty good offensive output for this team. Yeah, 15. Uh, nine goals against, 10.2 expected goals for, 7.7 against. Uh, Saints, 2-1 and 3-win draw loss, 7 goals for, 10 goals against, 5.7 and 6.8 uh, expected goals for, expected goals against. Respectively, uh, the thing I like about this is Brentford under Thomas Frank has proven pretty good. They have a penchant for creating big scoring chances. Southampton under Ralph hassan have a penchant for giving up big scoring chances. Uh, so it's a, a, a decent matchup. I think Brentford's the better team. You're getting them at a decent number, even on the road here. So plus 210 at bet 365. I'm in back in on the bees. I feel like I haven't bet them enough this season. Uh, Anthony, what do you got?
2: Saints are kind of like wolves in the sense that uh, at least from a midfield point of view, their field tilt numbers and their, pressing numbers and their ball progression numbers look pretty good. Uh, They are not that of a team who's getting absolutely, you know, dominated in matches, but like wolves attacking problems in the penalty area. Saints have had defensive problems in the penalty area. The goalie is a concern too. Uh, And, and he's another one who's, who's down there, not quite Danny Ward level, but, but down there pretty low. Uh, So I, I think there is a path to, it's bred for nothing for me here. I have no interest in playing saints as a home favorite. The Bees attack last year on the road considerably worse than it was at home. That's always a concern with the Bees going away from the Brentford Community Stadium. We love betting them there. Away from home, not quite the same. Uh, overall, this is a pass for me. My number is pretty close, uh, and I don't have a ton of interest in betting it.
1: Uh, uh, BJ, I don't think you've ever walked into a Brentford bet you didn't like, so I'm assuming. Oh, I love you. I love it. Are you kidding?
3: Yeah, well, I, I, think, I think I bet this
1: game last it's like year. That that. You're like that meme. Just- you're like that meme with the, the yeah. girl holding the guy's hand and, and she's Brighton and then yep. Brentford's walking exactly. by so That's thing, looking, Exactly, That's exactly what yeah. I was
3: thinking, Michael. You read my mind. <laughs> um, yeah, I'm just going to hop on the Thomas Frank train and just pump him up and tell everybody he's the best manager in the world. Yeah, Brentford, they have over, overperformed offensively, but I mean, 12 big scoring chances created. They've taken 11 shots inside the six-yard box and they have the highest XG per shot in the Premier League. The offense has been really, really good. And for the first time, well, not the first time, but... Uh, We saw them because a lot of this actually was created because they were playing from behind, you know, they went down to nothing to Leicester. They went down against Everton. They went down against crystal palace. And then of course they kick it into high gear. Well, they just pasted leads. They flat out just pasted them on Saturday, played with the lead played really, really well offensively, you know, as the match went along, they created a couple big scoring chances, but you know, really, really impressive performance defensively. I mean, Brentford has been a a tad shaky. I mean, they've been doing a good job of, they're allowing a ton of shots. I think they're 15th in the premier league and shots allowed per 90 minutes, which is kind of concerning, but they all, only have allowed six big scoring chances. So they're keeping those shots at to relatively low quality and they've allowed the fifth fewest crosses in the penalty area, which is key because Southampton has the m- second most crosses in the premier league start the season, which I found kind of interesting. And that's something that Brentford has actually really improved on because they were 19th in the premier league and crosses allowed in the penalty area last year. So Frank, Obviously saw that in the analytics and he said, no, we need to do a better job of that. And they have done a better job. So um, credit to them, Southampton. I mean, this is still an under a a one non-penalty goal per 90 minute offense. Like this, that's not a, it's not a great offense. I mean, they have only five expected goals from open play. Uh, I mean, they're 14th in shots from inside the penalty area. They're the worst team in the premier league at playing through pressure. Like, yeah they've had some some historic you know some good performances put in and like yes they're better than than they were over the second half of last season but let's not kid ourselves uh, i mean this line is basically telling us that Brentford would be just uh, you know essentially be a pick 'em or Brentford just as an ever so slight favorite on a neutral field which is just not the case like Brentford it should be on a neutral field it should be plus 125 plus 120 against Southampton so um i have Brentford projected at plus 150 um so i like them drawing bad at plus
2: 120. And one encouraging Brentford note, I think I like to look at a shot distance, average shot distance allowed. I think it kind of gets at shot quality without going too far into the extremes of like a huge chance or two that can skew the data. Uh, Brentford, longest average shot distance allowed in the prem. So they're like you mentioned, BJ, keeping opponents far from their goal when they shoot uh, up there with them. This should be interesting. Tottenham, we know how they play. Leeds are up there uh, and Newcastle. And then at the other side of things, in terms of creating chances, who has the lowest average shot distance, Liverpool's first, Brentford is second. So they're generating the big chances, they're preventing the big chances. And I think that going up against the Saints team who, now I'm talking myself into betting Brentford, going up against the Saints team who do it concedes yeah, all the big chances what we're here for, right? is interesting. What we're here for.
3: Yeah, Brentford allowed the, uh, have allowed the second fewest shots inside the six-yard box only to Arsenal only uh, about four shots inside the six yard box, which is impressive stuff. So you can allow it, like, it's the Wolves thing we talk about. Like you can have a ton of shots, but if they're all outside the box, it doesn't really mean much.
1: A reminder, Wonder Goal is presented by Bet365, the world's favorite sportsbook brand. Sign up with the promo code ACTION and get Bet365's exclusive sign-up offer in New Jersey and Colorado. Bet $1 on any game, get 200 for free. And I'll tell you what game I would bet $1 on for 200 free. That's Everton. On Sunday morning, 9 a.m., <laughs> traveling to the Emirates to take on oh. Arsenal, minus 300 on the money line oh, at Bet365. Like I said, Everton, big underdogs, plus 750 the draws, plus 425, four-game unbeaten streak for Frank Lampard's toffees. Four-game unbeaten streak. Uh, they started the season 0 and 2 rattled off four impressive draws in a row, uh, and they've allowed, somehow, 6.5 <laughs> spectacles, uh in their last three matches. Uh, they did go ahead in two of them. The third one was that Liverpool-Goodison uh, Park derby uh, and was one of the best nil-nils you'll ever see. And I think both those both teams could say that they should have won that match. Meanwhile, Arsenal, they are coming off a loss to, to Man United. Uh, that one hurt a little bit. And they are away to Zurich on Thursday. We're recording this on Wednesday night. It's Everton or nothing, I think. And I'm going to make a case for them here. The numbers aren't going to catch up to them, but they're better than they were three weeks ago the addition of Amadou Onana and now Idrissa Ganagay in the middle, just completely revamps their defense. It allows Alex Owobi, who's maybe, if there was a comeback player of the year in the Premier League, he probably should have won it last year. And if he would probably win it again, he might just be the MVP this year because he's been outstanding for them in the middle <laughs> of the park. Just having a focal point of the attack with Neil Mopai, even though he did what Neil Mopai does and, <laughs> and shot from, from right outside the six yard box, right at the keeper. Uh, on his
3: 0.72 XG on that shot. Oh, was like.
1: beautiful. I mean, that's what you have him for. Yep. Everyone was like why, like, why did you sign? If you can't finish, you sign him because you like, you like that kind of pain. Anthony Gordon was great. I mean, Nathan Patterson's been really good for them. They're just getting better. And the the numbers will eventually start to to catch up. But right now they aren't. Um, and they have a tough uh, little spot in their schedule here. They just played Liverpool. And they're playing Arsenal. And they got another tough one on the other side. They're going to win for you at a big number eventually. And I think this could be the case. So give me the toffees plus 750 I'm not biased I promise. BJ what about you?
3: No I mean I agree with you. I mean Arsenal is overvalued here. I mean I have them at I have Everton at plus 670. So bet 365 it's plus 750. So I wouldn't fault anybody for taking Everton in this match. I mean Arsenal didn't deserve to lose to United. Um probably should have been a 1-1 draw in, in my opinion, my unbiased opinion. When we get to United I have a whole page of notes of things that the referee missed in the match. Oh, um But I mean, Arsenal looked. I mean, once United went up, Arsenal just completely controlled that match from start to finish. I mean, yes, United had a couple counter-attacking opportunities they converted on, but Arsenal was definitely more threatening. They held 66% possession, like they were the better team. And I know they didn't win on XG, but every other statistical category, they completely dominated United. So this is funny because this was the match that ended uh, the Premier League season last year. I'm pretty sure I took the under after Everton had already survived their oh, yeah. relegation scare and arsenal just pasted them 5-1 like and everton looked like they just didn't care about it which i mean you know a huge relief from not getting relegated like yeah you can expect that so i can't really take anything anything away from that match the one before that that was at goodison park that everton won 2-1 and really deserved to win over arsenal that was like right around the time that was the low point for Arsenal. And then I believe it was the next match against Southampton when they turned things around and they got this thing going in the right direction. So not really much I could take away from either of the two matches that Arsenal's played against them, but I mean, they're just overvalued in the market. Like I, I, I mean, there's no way I'm laying Arsenal minus one and a half uh, in this type of match. I might look to play an under cause Arsenal's defense has been incredibly impressive. You know, even if you eliminate the Manchester United match, they've played essentially four teams of, you know, around Everton's quality and they have allowed very few expected goals. So um, I'm not worried about Arsenal. I think they'll be fine. Hopefully they just, they win this match comfortably. Um, but yeah, they are overvalued. So
1: if I had to play anything, I'd probably play Everton. Just keep your eye on, on Unana in the middle of the field. If Everton
3: man. gets to plus two, I might have to play them. I'll, I'll say that. I don't know I'll if they're going to get there. They're not going to
2: but... get there, but I would jump into yeah. Everton's defense is kind of riding a Pickford wave more so than anything He's else, out, by the way. Yeah. Right. And so that's, that's the concern, but they got, that's they got, the thing for me. They
3: got,
1: they got Begovich. Me. How many matches has he played over the last two he, years? He, he, he pitched a clean sheet against Fleetwood town a couple ah. of weeks ago, man.
2: All hey, right. Man. In that case, I have to yeah. change my handicap. I have to take it back now. I mean, look, I think this is uh, agreed to uh, all the points. I think Everton's a little bit undervalued, but it doesn't mean I'm going to run to the window to bet them uh, because you look at the regression metrics and it suggests that the defense has run really, really well. And are we having a different conversation if, you know, Brentford takes a chance or two, they may have been able to, if Leeds had completed the comeback, which XG suggests they could have, if, uh, you know, and Liverpool, that game was pretty even for me. So maybe not, you know, playing Liverpool even right now, you know, that would have looked great before the season. It looks less impressive now. So I'm not to belittle what's been a decent run for Lampard, but I think a lot of it is driven off variance and defensive fortune. And I think I'm a little concerned that, uh, that may run out here against a pretty good attacking team. I agree. Arsenal looked great in possession against Man United, and they're going to be in possession a lot in this match. So I think that favors, uh, you know, uh, an Arsenal team that won't be pressured in the midfield as much. So uh, I do lean toward the Toffees generally, but not betting this match either. It's not a great slate this weekend. It feels like I'm I'm passing a lot, and and there will be slates where we're just like we don't have a ton, and this is one of them for me.
1: Yeah, party's still out for Arsenal too. That also obviously doesn't help them. Maybe we'll find you a bet in this one, Anthony. West Ham plus 145, Newcastle (laughs) plus 180, the draw 250. Uh, Newcastle's been going through their injury issues, several key players. West Ham is struggling to create. – they're they're looking more like the David Moyes everyone assumes uh, rather than the one that showed up at West Ham the past two seasons in a second stint. Uh, They're struggling to create chances, playing decent defensive stuff, though. Uh, 2.1 expected goals against total to Villa Spurs and Chelsea. A little unlucky, a lot unlucky actually, not to get a draw out of that Chelsea match, and because I got some some bad VAR going their way. Last weekend, by the way, was just a shambles for VAR. But we'll we'll just stick to the betting here. I think this one sets up all right for bet on the draw at plus two fifty at Bet three six five. So that's probably where I'm going to go. I'll I'll see how this Newcastle lineup shakes out before I get involved, though. Anthony, what do you have here? Magpies and hammers.
2: Yeah, lean toward the magpies for me. I just think that. Uh... Look, the, the market love for new. We, we've, we've struggled to know what to do with this Newcastle team for the last few years, but the underlying numbers are becoming more and more clear that they're quite good. And I think we are at risk of ignoring that if we continue to say, well, they've only done this and this under Eddie Howe since January, right? We, we use that because we felt like in January, there was a problem and in February and March, but it, it seems to me that as they continue to add more players. And ESAC is another great ball carrier, ball progressor, that they continue to get better. And look, they were very impressive and probably should have won against Palace. As much as West Ham got screwed, Newcastle kind of got screwed too. We were all lucky to cash, uh, or at least- That was the worst part of the weekend. I I agree. I thought that that was was. bad. Although West Ham was bad too. It was all bad. But I I think Newcastle had a very impressive performance, a better finishing day, and they would have won much comfortably. Uh, West Ham, for as much as they've played- better lately let's consider that they had a home draw with spurs which was fine they had a pretty fortunate win like their attack is still not creating enough for me given what we've seen now with the flaws in chelsea i think that performance becomes a little bit lessened was more about chelsea than west ham so i think newcastle can probably do similar to what chelsea did which is just control the ball control the ball control the ball win the midfield exchanges and then this is kind of their game to lose i think i think they're the better team but the numbers about right for me. So I'm passing.
1: It's time to party. Crystal Palace plus 250 at home, hosting Manchester United plus 110. The draw here is plus 250. Uh, this one, if you've been listening to the show, you know exactly how this is going to go. And we're going to take it there. But I will say, before we talk about how much we love Crystal Palace on the spot, their defensive numbers uh, are a little concerning. 19th in the league right now in non penalty spectacles. Against 18th in shots per 90 allowed and 19th in big chances allowed. But they've played. Arsenal, Liverpool, City, Villa, Brentford, and Newcastle. So, three of the big six. We're going to play a fourth of the big six on Sunday, uh, and plus Newcastle, who, by the way, are two hundred to one to win the the title and twelve to one to finish inside the top four. Uh, so, if we really want to change our tune on Newcastle,
2: I'm not going about, that far. Maybe we no. could talk.
1: Maybe we could talk about that in uh, another episode. That said, the Palace defensive issues yet concerning. Can you trust the Manchester United defense? I don't think so. Uh, BJ, I'm actually going to go to Anthony first because I know you want to get a lot off your chest about uh, United and, and how they've just completely ruined you this season. Uh, so before we get to that, uh, Anthony, maybe you can take a more measured approach.
2: Yeah, you know, I think uh, my stance on United has not changed all that much over the course of the season. Uh, we all faded them the first two weeks. We thought they were great matchups for Brighton and Brentford, but I think you would be remiss if you didn't acknowledge the improvements they've made uh, both out of possession and in possession just simply by having their good players play. I mean, Jaden Sancho looks like he's improved. Anthony looked, I thought lively in his debut, Marcus Rashford returning to form after a terrible year for a good young player. He had a great young player who had a bad year and is now seeming to find himself again. They still don't have a striker, which is a problem, but I think they're, they're built in a way that makes them very good out of possession that makes them a very dangerous team in space that makes them, you know, they have Ericsson and they have Bruno who are two of the best at picking out passes to find runners in behind in the Prem. I think maybe DeBrona and that might be it. I mean, who else? Like, I, I don't know. Maybe like an Odegaard. He's good at that. Yeah, but, you missed,
3: you like missed the best one in the Premier League.
2: So there's not there's not like that many flaws in this United team. There are flaws and they will have problems. And this is a match where I think they may. But I think as a whole on United, I think the the market has shown that they were too high on them early. I think Michael found the right time to buy low. And I think there's a legitimate improvements there with 10 Hag and, and how well they played out of possession. So maybe this is not a, a great spot in terms of, uh, you know, I want to buy palace, but I think that from a situational matchup point of view, United will be forced to have the ball on the road right. in a hostile environment, break down a low block against a palace team who have just seen all the great offenses and attacks in this league and all the great strikers and all the great teams. And United really needs to prove to me that they can break down this kind of team in this matchup before I really buy in. And therefore, I'm going to take Palace plus a quarter, plus a half uh, like them on the spread here. And uh, yeah, it's our weekly Palace bet. They didn't look great defensively, but this is at home. And we know their home road splits at this point. That being said, I have to look at the United schedule. I think there's going to be some buy spots. Maybe. We'll see. Yeah, I I think your point there about... Also, Also, rest differential. Got to mention that. Yep. Thursday Sociedad for United. Palace week off big difference so- at this point, especially because United has some depth issues, right? Like their drop off to their good, their, their somewhat reserved players is big. And I think that's a, a concern for them potentially long-term, but, uh, and, in this match coming off Sociedad, if, if they win a Thursday, I mean, it is a big letdown, huge week for 10, Hag, beat Arsenal, beat Sociedad one, five in a row, tough road trip to palace. Perfect spot to, to, to sell a little bit, but BJ will tell you, they stink. They do not. They are top five maybe 16 easily
1: real quick, BJ. I just want to say that Anthony, you made a good point about the stylistic matchup here. I think that's the biggest problem for United in a matchup with palace. 10 Hag is kind of, to his credit, changed his tune. Like he's not going to be stubborn and plan a is plan a. And we're, if plan a doesn't work, we're going to stick with plan a. They've played a more, you know, Antonio Conte style, uh, over their past four wins, give up the ball and, we don't care if you have it 60 to 40. Uh, we'll hit you on the counter. That's not going to happen here. I think it's a little more complicated here uh, at Sellhurst Park, where our Eagles will fly on the money line. All right, BJ, uh, Anthony and I will go get a cup of coffee, and we'll leave you and the listeners alone.
3: Okay, so uh, there were a couple missed referee decisions on Sunday. Lysandra Martinez should get a yellow card in the second minute. McTominay should get a yellow in the eighth minute for an intentional shove. He should oh, get a red on. for the WWE move. Um, Dude, the match Saka got, take- Saka got taken out after a shot in the 52nd minute that should have been a penalty as well but and i'll even admit that the VAR decision was correct how about that anthony but okay here's my point about united i'm calling this match viera's last stand michael because uh like i, I don't really i'm starting to kind of teeter on crystal palace especially after the performance against newcastle like that was bad like that was schedule man. There's, there's no other way to say it is that was bad. Like they were not good at all. They should have, they should have lost. Um, and schedule has been bad. Like I agree, but United in their four wins have scored eight goals off of 5.6 expected. They've allowed two goals off of five expected. So four wins of the plus 0.6 expected goal differential. Now my stance on United is that the market keeps pricing them like they're the third or fourth best team in the Premier League, which is just not true. I, 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 it's just, it's flat out not true. In the four wins, they've been outshot 43 to 61. Their opponents have held 58% possession. They've been outtouched in the penalty area, Penalty area 73 to 161. Box entries has been 42 to 73. Progressive passes plus dribbles, 218 to 347. Like. I get it. Like they've been playing with a lead and they've been playing defensive, but those numbers suggest that something's about to fall off a cliff. Like you can't just keep giving up those type of numbers with the lead and just expect that everything is going to be fine. Like I'll admit that for the first 15 minutes against Arsenal, they were the better side. They were controlling possession. They were looking really lively in attack. They were creating chances. And then once Arsenal kind of settled into the match, They started to control possession and they really started to control the match from that point on. So, you know, he had a couple, he had a defensive mistake on the first one and Anthony took advantage of that. So credit to him, you know, they caught him in a high line and and Rashford scored the second goal, but I mean, Arsenal just completely dominated them. They had over a hundred progressive passes and dribbles in that match. I mean, that's, I mean, that's, that's, that's incredibly impressive. I mean, that's what city basically averages every match, but still against United, that's not good. Now, as far as Crystal Palace is concerned, <laughs> it's it's tough because they have not been good defensively, and it has been a bad schedule. But I totally agree with you, Anthony. And I had this written down that is can United break down a low block? like can they can they do what what's what city did? like can if Crystal Palace goes ahead, can they do can they be like city and completely control the match and score and come and erase that type of deficit? I don't think so at this, or we haven't seen it at least at this, at this juncture. Now I will say United, they are plus 1.2 expected goal differential per 90 minutes from a zero, zero game state only really only about 180 minutes for that. So not really a large sample size, but from zero, zero game state they have been pretty good, but when they're playing with the lead, it's something that's as teetering on the point of uh, collapsing. So I don't think United's going to keep up this run. I don't think they're going to finish in the top four. There's still a lot of there's still a lot of problems that still need to be sorted out. But the market just keeps pricing them like they're the third or fourth best team in the Premier League, which is just not the case. So, I'm taking Crystal Palace. I actually don't have that big of an edge on it. I mean, United, you know, plus one fifteen on the road. Um, I you know, I have this match projected pretty close to a them, You know, five thirty eight only has United at forty one percent. For everybody who thinks I'm really biased out there, like. <laughs> another projection, another projection model agrees with me. Like for me, like there's just really not a lot to get like excited about for this United team. Like, yes, they win four matches, but they're not impressive. Like they, like they don't do what Arsenal did for the first four matches of the season. You know what I mean? Like it's not like it's a man. I'm so excited. I'm running the window to bet United. They're on this crazy streak. That's awesome. Like no, this is something that it, you know regression is going to come for United. And I agree with Anthony that this you won't find a better spot
1: to do it. Monday Night Football. Leeds minus 138, Nottingham Forest plus 350, the draws plus 280. I mean, this game just has chaos written all over it. Forest, what a Monday! This is a great Monday night. It is, it it, it feels like it's just going to be almost like six year olds playing soccer, like that kind of (laughs) side where they just chase the ball around over and over, you know, and there's like no organization (laughs) to it. Jesse Marsh got his red card. We kind of called that coming. He's he's kind of just been throwing tantrums on the sidelines. He is he almost is looking at it like a baseball manager who wants to get thrown out of the game to get some respect in the locker room, or whatever. That's how I, I viewed it. Um, Forrest's defensive record has been terrible, worse than the Premier League, basically across the board. Four goals, 4-14 against, five and a half. expected goals for 13.3 against. Uh, the Leeds numbers obviously much better, but I just don't think Leeds United should be minus 140 against any team yet uh, in the Premier League. So I will be Forrest or nothing. Uh, we'll see how things shake out uh, as we get closer to the game on Monday. BJ, real quick, Monday Night Football.
3: I love over three goals at plus one thirty. I mean Leeds has been good offensively. Like they're over one and a half non-penalty expected goals per match. Like they're taking over thirteen shots per ninety. They have ten big scoring chances. Like they, they've been a good offense. They haven't played that difficult of a schedule, but I mean they're playing the Nottingham Forest defense, which is like you already mentioned, it's just a complete mess. I mean not only over thirteen expected goals. I mean seventeen shots per ninety. 19 box entries per match like this is really really bad and they're the worst pressing team in the premier league which is good news for Leeds because they're not very good playing through pressure now while Leeds is good offensively uh like their defensive numbers like i already mentioned they haven't really played a murderer's row 8.3 expected goals in six matches against wolf southampton chelsea brentford everton uh and brighton has is not that great and you know nottingham forest hasn't been good offensively but what i will say about nottingham forest is once they go behind it just becomes complete chaos when they're playing from behind this season they're allowing around two and a half expected goals per 90 minutes so to your point about this becoming chaos i think it will become chaos if Leeds go ahead goes ahead which they are favored to do so i have uh right on three goals projected so if you're giving me plus 130 on over three goals uh i'm gonna take it
1: all right that wraps the premier league section now on to europe we'll start in the bundesliga as we usually do you two are on the same game I believe in this one, each side. So give me a quick version of your favorite bet in the Bundesliga. Anthony, you're first.
2: Yeah. From a buy low, sell high perspective, Freiburg top of the Bundesliga table. Good for them. Don't expect that to continue. You look at the underlying numbers dating back to last season. They were a good, not great team in the Bundesliga, relying a lot on set piece fortune. Don't expect that to continue either. Thinking back to last season, Gladbach was a plus 100 favorite on the road at Freiburg. Now... Freiburg is a plus 100 favorite at home. So that just shows you how far the market's fallen in this match. Uh, And that's why I like to sell Freiburg and buy Gladbach low. I like them plus a half. Back to Foles once again. BJ, you're also on this one.
3: Yeah, I like the over in this one. Over three goals around minus 105. Good uh, set piece edge here. Freiburg, best set piece team in the Bundesliga last year. 19 expected goals. Gladbach worst set piece defense around 17 allowed. I mean, Gladbach is still a really good offense. I mean, 7.3 expected goals created in non Bayern Munich matches, five big scoring chances created in those four matches. And, you know, Gladbach matches averaged 3.3 expected goals last season. And early indications are that has not changed one bit. So um, I like over three goals at minus one five.
1: I'll be continuing to play all the hits. Palace, I got a 10-1 to 1 ticket against uh, Liverpool. And, of course, Mines. Uh, they're plus 190 against Hoffenheim. They continue to just chug along. Great defensively, they should be able to handle this. Hoffenheim attack, even on the road. Onto La Liga, I'll kick it off here. This is probably my favorite bet of the season so far. Cadiz, Barcelona, both teams to score, yes. Cadiz, oh. Cadiz is 0-0-4, withdrawal loss Zero scored on 2.2 expected, 10 against. Barcelona one goal against uh the season. So I'm I'm this is how this bet's going to go. I'm going to bet the both teams to score. Cadiz is going to win 1-0. Uh they'll they'll get their goal. Barcelona won't get theirs. Uh so uh, that's where I'm going in La Liga in Spain. BJ, what do you got?
3: Yeah, I like Valladolid lead plus half a goal at minus 150 at Girona on Friday afternoon. I mean, this is this lines indicating that these two teams should be uh, essentially even on a neutral field, which is just not the case because Valladolid in the second division last year had a plus 0.5 actually differential per 90. Girona was only at plus 0.1. So if you factor in home field advantage, this match should actually be a pick'em. And in the two matches that they faced each other last season in the second division, Valladolid outcreated Girona 4.5 to 2.7 on expected goals. Um, and, you know, Valladolid's had to play a tough schedule, played, you know, via Real, Sevilla, Barcelona, but they just beat Almeria on Monday, Got a really deserving 1-0 win. Beat them on actually 1.3 to 0. 0.6. I think there's tremendous value in battle the lead here. So I'm going to take them plus
1: half a goal at minus 150. Anthony, anything for you in España?
2: Yeah, I was extremely surprised to see this Villarreal, Real Batiste total at 2.5. Batiste uh, still has a, a pretty good attack. Their defense continues to be a bit overrated. And we have a, And I think a lot of it is because Vireal has not conceded this season. Somehow, uh, they've conceded about three expected goals. They've played well. But how long do we really expect that to continue? So I'm selling this this Virial defense a little bit. Uh, Betis likes to play open games. Virial, much uh, different than their traditional way of playing, has actually been willing to be open uh, in Spain, more so than they are in the tournament matches where we love to bet them. So they they do play a little bit more press and possess. Both teams will play somewhat high lines in this match. So I think there could be room uh, for some goals. La Liga overs. Two and a half uh, surprises <laughs> it at not two and yeah. three quarters. Uh,
1: from La Liga overs, Syria unders, uh, BJ, Anthony, you're both backing uh, some some snoozers here.
3: Yeah, I like um, Napoli, Spezia. Both teams have scored no at minus 110. I mean, Napoli, they did, we, you know, we've talked about the defensive pieces they've lost, but they are still looking really good. Only 3.2 expected goals allowed in their first five matches. They've only allowed a total of 37 shots. 15 inside the penalty area, only one inside the six-yard box. All that leads Serie A. They're taking on a Spezia team that the last season averaged under one expected goal per match in the wide-open Serie A. So far this season, they've only created three-and-a-half expected goals through five matches. They've only taken 22 shots from inside the penalty area. That's the lowest mark in Serie A. The reason I'm playing both teams to score no at minus 110 and not Spezia under half a goal or a Napoli to win nil, is because I played this exact same bet in this exact same match last season, and Spezia won, won nothing as an 11-1 to underdog at Napoli. So I'm playing both teams to score no at minus 110 and avoiding what happened last year.
2: And
1: Anthony, uh, you've got an under for us.
2: Yeah, Lazio Verona. I mean, it's like the regression bowl. Uh, you know, Verona <laughs> had this incredible attack last year that overperformed uh, quite a bit, and I bet this in every game last year. I think I pushed one and won the other. And I'm going to bet it again here. Look, Lazio have created the third fewest expected goals in Serie A. Like, it's been really, really bad. And yet they have saw that have, coming? They have seven goals from four, but like seven goals in five matches is not that good either. So even though they are overperforming, they're still not getting the kind of goals you'd expect. I continue to think that's going to be a problem. Verona, we saw Simeone Jr. scoring today for Napoli. What that means is he no longer plays for Verona. Their <laughs> attack has struggled as well. They've only scored six in five. So we have... Two attacks that were prime for regression are in the middle of regressing and we're still getting a 2.75 total here. I love the under. I think it should be two under. I actually make it under two and a half, and we're getting 2.75. So, you know, we're grinding out small edges here, but uh that's that's what I like on Syria this weekend. And uh,
1: now we can cue the the French, the Parisian jazz or something here for BJ to take us on his journey with his favorite bet in League O. Yeah, Strasbourg
3: minus 155 against Claremont Foot. I mean, this Claremont foot team is awful. I mean, they're they're in eighth place. Uh, they've created four point eight expected goals and allowed fourteen point three like this is just a really really bad team i know i bet to lose against them last week that result was just really annoying because Toulouse just completely dominated the match held a ton of possession out touched in the penalty area 31 to 14 it's just a really bad claremont foot team in Strasbourg. uh listen they're in the relegation zone right now i think i bet them to finish top three not looking too great but hey there's a long season ahead of us um you know it, it's a team that didn't lose anybody from last season they were a top five offense by expected goals created the second most big scoring chances to psg so this is still a really good offense that just has gotten going so i like Strasbourg minus 155 at home against claremont foot the worst team in league
1: and now on to our favorite part of the program our underdog three-leg money line parlay uh, before we get to that just a reminder wondergo is presented by bet365 the world's favorite sportsbook brand sign up with promo code action to get bet365's exclusive sign up offer in new jersey and colorado bet one dollar on any game get 200 free when you shared the doc And I saw the underdogs that were going into the parlay this week. I got to say, I know this is the week. I just felt (laughs) it as soon as I saw the three teams that are in there, I knew it. I could just feel it. BJ, what's your favorite pooch?
3: Wolfsburg plus two eighty against Frankfurt. I'm just going to keep fading Frankfurt. Uh, I really don't believe they're that good of a team. Um, Wolfsburg hasn't been, have not been good. Um, they just, you know, have allowed five over five expected goals to Cologne and uh, RB Leipzig the last few matches. But you know, if you look at transfermarket.com, I mean, talent level, these two teams are, are pretty much even. And, and last season, the Bundesliga is that that's the case as well. So uh, I'm getting plus two eighty on on the road for for Wolfsburg. I like this as a nice uh, buy
1: low spot. Uh, for them. So Wolfsburg plus 280 for me. For me, we're going with Anthony Spurs plus 650 against man city. This is perhaps the second or third best team in the APL, right? This second, uh, they play a style that gives city fits and they have the attacking talent to take whatever chances that they do create. If even if city has 70% possession, that's kind of what Tottenham wants. Simply put, you're getting six and a half to one to bet the second or maybe third best team in the premier league right now. So I We'll take a shot on Spurs at plus 650.
2: Back the Bach. We almost hit 11-1 to 1 against Bayern a couple weeks ago. Now we're going to try to hit a plus 240 against Freiburg. I know BJ talked about the set-piece issues. That's definitely a concern. Uh, this is just a classic sell-high of Freiburg after a great start to the season. Did the same thing last year. Wolfsburg won their first four matches. They played Gladbach and lost. I'm hoping to catch that same lightning in a bottle once again here with the Foles.
1: Gladbach, Wolfsburg, Tottenham Hotspur, Moneyline Parlay, 96 to 1, if you put the three of them together. Uh, That's coming through. Uh, you You can guarantee it. Now we go on to our best bets in the Premier League for the match week coming your way, beginning on Saturday, September 10th. BJ, what's your favorite bet?
3: Monday night football leads versus Nottingham Forest over three goals at plus 130. This leads offense has been impressive over one and a half non-penalty expected goals per match. They've already created 10 big scoring chances. They're averaging over 13 shots per 90. This Nottingham Forest defense is the worst in the Premier League. I mean, they're allowing allowed over 13 expected goals in their first six matches, allowing over 17 shots per 90, over 18 box entries per 90. It's just bad. Now, Nottingham Forest has not been a good offense, but When they do go behind, when they're playing from behind this season, they're allowing two and a half expected goals per 90 minutes. So if Leeds scores first, which they are favored to do, this match has the potential to go completely off the rails. I have exactly three goals projected for this one. So if you're giving me plus
1: 130 on over three goals, uh, I'm going to take it. I'm going with Crystal Palace, plus 275 against Manchester United. After losing their first two matches of the season, Manchester United was a crisis club. But now after four wins, including a lucky result against Southampton and... So, so one against Leicester, two impressive wins, one against Liverpool and one against Arsenal. Everyone is back on board at Old Trafford. The times, the good times are back. It's like Fergie's back, baby. But despite that uptick in form, you still can't trust the United defense. Crystal Palace have slogged their way through one of the toughest schedules, toughest stretches you'll see in any Premier League schedule. So we just don't really know how good this team is. Judging from last year, we believe they're quite good. Their defensive numbers have dipped for this season, but I think that's more a result of their schedule than anything else. Which sets us up with a great buy low, sell high spot on Palace with the added bonus that Manchester United are playing at Old Trafford against Real Sociedad on Thursday. So it's a good rest spot for Palace as well. So I will be back on the Eagles as I always am for my favorite bet in the Premier League. Anthony, take us home.
2: Tottenham plus 1.5 minus 120 on the road at Man City. First time betting the Lily Whites this season. Spurs match up well here. They defend their box really well. They let the opponent have the ball and they pick apart little weaknesses in opposition defenses, especially in transition. I think there are holes that can be exploited. Newcastle did so. The only above average attack that City has played this season. I think Spurs, with their ability to play without the ball, are excellent. And Kulisevsky, Richarlison, whichever one they do start alongside Son and Kane. Son, due for a goal here, has created a ton of expected goals without scoring. Kane looks as good as ever. This counter-attacking team has given City fits for years. I think they can do the same again, and maybe even hold City's Dynamite attack in check just enough to stay inside the number here.
1: All right, uh, that wraps up this episode of Wonder Goal, uh, soccer betting podcast from the Action Network. Thanks for listening. Thanks to Anthony. Thanks to BJ. Thanks to Bet365, our sponsor. We will see you guys on the other side of the weekend for more Champions League previews.